یہ انٹرنیشنل گیم ہے اس میں دماغ سے کھیلا جاتا ہے غصے سے نہیں Hello everybody and welcome to episode 98 of Hoop Darshan. Hoop Darshan. Episode number 98, Karan. Uh, did you think we'll get this far? You know, we ask ourselves that every time and it's always surprising. Every time I draft up the episode plan, the numbers just yeah. astound me that, that we are on yes. the 98. It's, it's pretty incredible. It, it is indeed. And I can't, I can't imagine we'll actually be in triple digits soon. But before that, we've got... We've got a few stray jersey number 98 cases to, to talk about in the NBA. Can you guess how many people have ever worn the jersey number 98, Karan? These, these questions don't work on me anymore. I, I, I literally <laughs> have no idea. I'll give you some interesting facts. Some, yeah. some relevant as well. Yeah, yeah. So there have, been, there have been three players who won jersey number 98. Wow. One is in, somewhere, in, in 1947. Shout out to India's Independence Year. Um, someone from the Detroit Falcons, a guy named Chet Obushon. Okay. Uh, is the most like 40s, 50s name. Yeah. Um, he, he wore jersey number 98 in 1947 when he literally had his pick of any number possible. Exactly, uh, yeah. Not sure, not sure what's, what's going behind that. <laughs> um, the second person who has won it is... Um, He's, he's actually won it for three different teams. He's won it on the Celtics and Washington Reserves in 2013 and also Brooklyn Nets in 2014. Um, okay, so, Jason so Collins. Like, oh, Jason Collins, okay. There you go. Yeah. And finally, this, this one I think you'll, you'll find interesting. He wore this number for the Phoenix Suns in 2013. Okay. Possibly Asia's second ever best player. Asia's second best player, Phoenix Suns. Um, is it the is is it the Japanese player? Is it Yuta Tabuse? No, no, it's not. So obviously, Asia's best player is Yao Ming. Yeah, of course. Uh, give me a hint. Other, give me another hint about this this guy. Is he uh, is he is it Hamid Hadadi? I don't know if he played for it is, Iran, it for is. Suns. Oh, it is he played for the Suns. I didn't know that. Okay. He played That's, just one season in uh, in Phoenix, and okay. he was jersey number 98. So. Oh, shout out to Hamid. You, this guy like. It's funny in the NBA they might not remember him much but yeah. the guy is incredible on the Asian circuit like he destroys people every single time and he was he was like the best player in the in terms of like Yao was obviously the best Asian ever but I think Hamid Hadadi dominated more cuz he he had a healthier longer career in Asian tournaments just yeah. he killed people for like two decades he's incredible yeah absolutely absolutely and of course uh, the year of 98 was um as as we've we've covered in the last few episodes the year of michael jordan again it's the last dance the last time. <laughs> yep it's the year of the last dance the the end of the, the michael jordan championships um and uh just want to sneak it in I, I, after watching the last dance i rewatched the 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 game 6 finals in its entirety at some point like i i mean not in one sitting but as as i was getting time um mm-hmm. and i've come to to the conclusion that that is my favorite single game performance by any any individual player in NBA history. Uh wow. I mean of course there have been greater performances like statistically and even players who even MJ wasn't that good as he was at his prime but just mm-hmm. like he was broken down in his last legs um Scotty wasn't playing very well he was injured like Dennis Rodman was coming off the bench he was like you know really old too and just what Jordan did to make sure that he retires with the championship on that night I consider that my favorite performance ever. So um yeah. Yeah, and and the last uh, 40 50 seconds of that game are just pure poetry. It was incredible what he did. So uh, shout yeah, out to you, that game you, 98. You couldn't have you couldn't have scripted it better. For sure. Um so current before we get jump into the to the actual episode itself there's a few things that's happened in the Indian basketball circuit while a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, you think that you know, with with the COVID shutdown and everything, um, basketball's been uh, into a little bit of a halt, but things are sort of picking up again. What's yeah. what's going on? Um, well, related to the COVID shutdown, the the 3BL league, which 
I guess the league, I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago when they were actually active and playing the league. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess the shutdown indefinitely halted things. So I think they've decided just to name the winners of the league without finishing it the whole way. Uh, so right. congrats to the Gurugram Masters and the Kochi Stars for, uh, for for winning the 3BL this year. The Kochi Stars are, of course, um, uh, especially famous because they they bought out the great Gitu Anna Rahul from retirement and uh, she played for them. So even at this age, even after retiring, coming back, she still keeps still keeps on winning, still keeps on dominating in Indian basketball. She's just she's just a goat of Indian basketball, and For sure. even, even if it, even if it's a comeback comeback mama performance, um, it's good enough to get it done. You should have given a fax like Michael Jordan style, right? I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know, if, I don't what, know if, if if kids know what faxes are, but you know it was this thing. <laughs> well, it was this thing. It was this thing like before before the or during the days of dial-up internet. I don't know yeah. if kids know that either. Oh my God! Yeah, I'll 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 never forget dial-up internet. It made me. It was a it was a major part of my childhood. But <laughs> yes, it taught us the virtue of patience. So much patience, definitely. Um, <laughs> speaking of patience, Kaushik, uh, mm-hmm. we as basketball fans in India have been very patient, you know, because uh, our federation has uh, often you know sh- shoots baskets in its in in its own basket, you know. I, I don't know. There's no there's no uh, term for own goal in basketball, right? You just shoot basket in your own basket. I don't know. There's no formal term, yes. is there? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, so I don't think so. I don't think so. But you you can find some random uh, random like former Indian player calling it like self basket or something. Self like that. basket. Sure Let's call it a a self selfie basket. Um, yes. <laughs> Indian basketball <laughs> has been doing that a lot to itself, and because of that, because of all the beef between the different um, you know people who are fighting for the in basketball throne. Um, it, it got de-recognized by the sports minister of India and got recognized again and then got de-recognized again for some other issues. So anyways, uh, very recently, the sports ministry has again recognized, so it's a positive thing, the, the Basketball Federation of India. Um, and I, I'm guessing it's on like a temporary or at least a, at least like a probationary basis. Um, so for the next year. So that's good news that uh, whatever Indian basketball stuff that happens is now getting proper um, ministry recognition. Uh, and and for it to happen, I was going to joke that for it, it, it just it was going to happen at the worst time when there's no basketball actually even possible to to take place in India. But there is some some more good news that India is actually coming back in uh, to international basketball in a big way this uh, this month, actually, by the end of November. Wow, what's going on? So the FIBA Asia Cup qualifiers are going to continue finally. And and they're going to continue without skipping a beat, actually, because the previous window of the, the qualifiers was in February, which we played right before coronavirus. And mm-hmm. now the second window is going to be played in bubbles in different parts of Asia. So India, Team India is in Bahrain to play the next two games. Um, our next two games are going to be against Bahrain themselves and against Lebanon, which are... I'm, Saying the probably the toughest team in our group, we are in Group D of these qualifiers. Mm-hmm. And remember, in Feb we actually beat Iraq, and it was like a huge moment. This was the first major win in a major international Asian tournament for India in two and a half, three years. So um, it's yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm hoping the momentum from I, I know how long ago was February? Koshik was eight months, seven, whatever it was, eight years. It it's just seems like forever ago. Um, I, I I hope the momentum carries. We played really well in those two games. We lost to Bahrain back then too, but we lost by just mm-hmm. a point. It was like a like a crazy yes, last minute game, a, a game winning shot by them. It was really heartbreaking. So I, I I feel that we should we should be confident in in this game against Bahrain. At least hoping to like you know see them eye to eye, like not be afraid of them. Um, we, we we should be a better team than them on paper, but you know you know how it goes. Like India, Indian basketball barely gets to practice, so on paper hardly uh, matters on court. So uh, yes. yeah, uh, I I hope something good comes of this. Now the basketball is coming back. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's good to have some sense of normalcy back, even though um, bubble bubbles are not really normal in any part of the world. But yeah, at least at least it gives us basketball back, right? 
well, there is one bubble that did work really well, right? Yes. That, of course, was the NBA bubble. We just finished, well, not just, now it's been a month, I guess, since your Lakers won the, the, the title. Uh, congrats yes, again, Koshik. Since, since the, my Lakers won my sixth most favorite title in my <laughs> fan <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, as you know, I think we spoke about this in the last episode, right? Like, people like you and I were just watching from home. And yes. weirdly enough, like, apart from, like, you know, yeah, the fake crowds and all that, the basketball itself just felt very no- normal to me. Like, it just felt like once you're looking at the court, that's what you're looking at. Like, at least for me, like, I, I could tune out all the other stuff and just focus on the basketball. Yes, it was weird when the Lakers won. There was no fans either to boo or cheer or anything. That was kind of strange. But in general, like, I felt that they did such a good enough job. Uh, I, I would say they did a very good job in pulling off this thing to, to make it look like, like it's a functioning uh, NBA event, right, in the bubble. Um, so... Our guest today is someone who played like a small but important role in in the in the cog in the machine machinery of the NBA in making sure that this bubble worked. Um, he's Gautam Kapoor, who's associate manager of basketball strategy at the NBA. Uh, he's an Indian American, grew up in Delhi, uh, but works with the NBA, and he spent several months in in Orlando in the bubble itself, actually, uh, just just behind the scenes making all all the stuff work, every everything come to life, you know making sure that people like us at home got the experience we did. So to tell us stories about the bubble, to tell us stories about, you know, how weird it was, how surreal things went, what went well, what didn't go well. And of course, to talk about growing up in Delhi, playing basketball in like the North Indian circuits, which by the way, my school also played in. Uh, I want to bring Gautam Kapoor on to Hoop Darshan. So I'm excited to have uh, Gautam Kapoor, Associate Manager of Basketball Strategy at the NBA on Hoop Darshan, finally, I mean, uh, we've been trying to get you on for a long time, Gautam. How are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Dude, um, so it's early in the morning for you. Uh, we're talking to you on the day of the elections in America, which I'm sure that this is a completely different vibe for you than everything else you're going through right now, right? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting time in D.C. right now. Um. And you have been back for how long now from the bubble in uh, in Florida? Yeah, I've been back from the bubble now about I'd say I'd say three weeks. So it hasn't been that long. Wait, are you? It's almost sure? time for I, the new season, though. <laughs> I met you over a month ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, I still have that. I still have that bubble brain. I still <laughs> I don't have that sense of time. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, I, I think I said in the intro, uh, Gotham spent, uh, I would say, how much time were you there in, in the bubble? You were there about four months, should I say, or longer than that? Yeah, I was. I worked in the bubble for about three months. So we got there in um, late June, and we're p- pretty much there a, a month in advance of the players arriving, just getting everything set up in terms of the, our health and safety infrastructure. So, I mean, I, I just have so many questions about this whole, the whole setup. Like in terms of when, when people think bubble, like was it really strict coming in and out? Like once you were in, uh, you know, of course, some NBA players were knowing, you know, it was well known that they got in trouble for ordering food and stuff. But then once they got everything set up inside, could you get food from outside or, or anything from outside? Or was there a whole vetting process that anyone who's coming inside is going to be like a 10-day wait or whatever? That's a that's a good question. So in terms of, let's say, food, for instance, there there were pretty strict rules. So you could only order food in from a pre-selected list of restaurants. And um, some other folks on the team were responsible for vetting um, restaurants in the area to make sure that, you know, they, they were following best practices as it relates to... <laughs> Keep, uh, maintaining like safe and healthy uh, a work environment. So you couldn't just order Uber Eats, for instance, from anywhere. It had to be from a pre-selected list of restaurants. Um, but that being said, and I think we'll get to this later. The the Lakers still managed to get um, butter chicken 
and Indian food during the playoffs, which I thought was really exciting. But we'll get to that later. Uh, no, I was, Wait, what? I was, my next question. I think uh, I, I told Kaushik about this. I think I, I, I feel that was the secret sauce of the Lakers. I think they they did the right thing. They got the butter chicken happening. They learned from every single Ludhiana yeah. Academy basketball player, right? They're like, okay, this is the secret to success. Hey, hang on, Karan. I, I was not prepared for this. You were not prepared the Lakers for butter love chicken butter chicken? Yeah, you didn't? No, that, I, no I wasn't. Well, I didn't tell you. Well, oh. well got to, why don't you tell this story then? The food of champions. But um, what was really interesting was, so I was just walking around um, the, the team team facility area. And basically how it works is that each team has their own room um, for, for meals and meetings, and they've got like a buffet line outside. So I remember walking past the Lakers room one day, um, and there, there was just only Indian food on the buffet line. There was butter chicken, samosas, all kinds of stuff. And this was during the playoffs. So I thought that was really validating. I, I thought that was pretty awesome. Well, was this right before the game where Anthony Davis hit the game-winning shot? <laughs> I, I don't remember if it was exactly before that game. But um, it was definitely before a win, I'll tell you that much. Of course. Um, it's, I, it's I have so many follow-up questions. Did, did you actually get to like scoop into seeing who was like... Or, or, or did you just pass by? You didn't actually stop and <laughs> I, watch I just, I just okay. passed by. Okay, okay, fair enough, but... Hey, sh- shout out to the Lakers for, for having butter chicken in the playoffs. It's the secret to success. That's amazing. <laughs> um, wh- what about you? How did you cope with the meal situation? Were you usually eating the, the food that, that was provided there or were you getting to eat out as well? Yeah, so uh, a mix of both. I, I'd say, I mean, the food was awesome. Like, I basically... Our team pretty much had most of our meals. We were working around the clock, so we had most of our meals um, that were provided to us by Disney. Um, How it works is the bubble is really split across three different um, Disney resorts. Um, So if you wanted to get some diversity in your meals, like you could go from one facility to another. Um, So we had a a good selection. There There were certain days where we'd order out um, from some of the some of the restaurants available to us, but all in all, for the hundred plus days I was there, um, no, the food was the food was awesome. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of typical of us. We we just got started talking about the food before anything else. But I mean, do you want to clarify uh, what exactly was your job in the bubble um, in terms of the setup? I, I know you do a lot of like setup on the tech side of things, right? So. Uh, I'm just curious to know, like, what exactly, uh, where exactly were you working, um, doing this whole public playoffs and all of that? For sure. So, basically, in the bubble, I was on the NBA's health and safety team. Our job, obviously, was just to protect the integrity of the bubble. Um, and my specific role was focused on how do we use healthcare technology to do that. So. Basically, how do we make use of technology to monitor players and staff's health in the bubble um, and make sure we we don't have a single coronavirus case? And if we do have a coronavirus case, how do we use contact tracing to uh, prevent the spread of COVID within the bubble? So um, I'm happy to just give, I think, a rundown of you know what a typical day looked like for, say, a staff member in the bubble. Um, so I guess, where, where should I start? So I guess prior to arriving on campus, you have to undergo a quarantine um, of seven days. So anyone entering the bubble has to basically undergo quarantine for seven days and register two consecutive negative PCR tests. So two negative consecutive tests that say that, you know, you're clean. Um, we, were, we were the first people to really enter the bubble. Um, so our quarantine was a little less. But, but basically, yes, anyone coming in has to quarantine for seven days. Um, and every single day in the bubble, when you're there, you're required to take a COVID test daily. So this is either, really either uh, a nasal or an oral mouth swab. Um, it's, it's not too de- deep. It's not the, I think, the, the negative connotation of that nasal swab is that it's very deep. It's really invasive. Um, but, but this one is much more shallow. So. It was easy to deal with, um, and 
you get your results back in around 12 to 15 hours. So that's probably the most important part of the health and safety uh, program, obviously getting tested for, for COVID daily. Um, in terms of other programs that we oversaw, um, one that took up a lot of my time was the NBA My Health app. And what this was is it was basically an app that all players, staff, referees, media members had to fill in. And it's daily, basically a daily medical questionnaire. So when you wake up in the morning, you have to open up the app on your phone, uh, take your temperature, measure your oxygen levels um, using what's called a fingertip pulse oximeter, and answer a few questions um, related to symptoms you might be having. Um, so you basically have like say seven questions, seven boxes. Um, you enter all your results and you'll basically get a health status in return. You can either have a green health status, which says, you know, you're good to go. Your all your health vitals are in the quote unquote healthy range, or you might get a, a red result, which says that you are either unhealthy or you have missed a step and need to complete the questionnaire again. Um, so if you if you get a, a red result, you know, your, your profile gets flagged with the health and safety team. All this data is then sent to the to the, the MBA database, which will be uh, used by medical professionals in the bubble. And it's basically our main way of having a single system um, to check on everyone's health vitals and make sure that everyone's um, doing okay. So that's really what the MBA My Health app entails. Um, there's a bunch of other projects that we worked on, which I'm happy to get into later. I think the only other quick one that I want to hit on is what we did for for social distancing and contact tracing. So this was probably one of the projects that I spent the most amount of my time on. Um, we partnered with this company called Connexon um, and deployed their, their safe zone solution for the NBA bubble. You guys may have heard about this, but it's basically technology that's been used both by the NBA and the NFL um, and other companies in the sports and entertainment industry to um, basically ensure that if someone tests for test positive for covid can you quickly identify who else may have been in close contact with that individual so you can um, stop the spread and stop the bubble from bursting so what this looked like was pretty much everyone on campus wore a sensor on their credential this sensor is called a connexon safe tag and, and it's about the size of i guess like an apple airpods case uh, and really what this does is it tracks who you've been in close contact with. It promotes social distancing by sounding an alarm. So if I'm next to you for, let's say, over 10 seconds uh, within six feet, an alarm will start to, an audible alarm will be emitted from the device, alerting that the wearers need to, need to distance themselves. So um, it definitely took some getting used to, but people adopted the technology um, really well. And at the end of the day, we were all in it together. I mean, we were asking people to do a lot, um, but people understood the, I guess, the gravity of the situation and that all of this, all of these innovations were pretty critical for um, keeping a safe and healthy campus. So um, yeah, those, those are the two main, I guess, or three main projects that I worked on as part of the health and safety team um, while I was in the bubble. There's a, there's a bunch of other stuff which we can get into later, but um, that probably is just a general overview. It's honestly, it's fascinating. I feel like the, the NBA has has really been on the forefront of, you know, whatever's going to happen to the rest of the world when it comes to, you know, reacting to COVID, the NBA did it first and they, they did it best really. And, you know, I, it, just the fact that you had technology like that you know, to, to make sure everything stayed right, it's, and it worked, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the, the bubble has been a success. The NBA didn't do a big celebration of it, but, you know, you guys managed to do whatever, like four or five months of, you know, uh, I, get, I guess the restart and the playoffs and everything ends and everyone's back home and it, it worked out. But um, let me ask, hypothetically, uh, what was your plan? In, uh, imagine if, if a player who's in the bubble gets gets COVID. Uh, what would have been the plan for the player, the team, like, uh, you know, say it's in the middle of the playoffs, it's, the, you know, I don't know, it's the conference finals or whatever. What would have been the protocol if, if that had happened? 
That's a really good question. And it's it's tough to answer these things in hindsight because it totally depends on the circumstance. But um, basically what ends up happening is say if someone tests positive for COVID, um, first and most importantly, um, they would be put in, say, isolation housing, um, basically separating them from, it's still in the bubble, still on Disney's campus, but it's separating them from the general population um, to prevent any potential spread. And then similar to what I said as it relates to contact tracing, you know, looking at the data on their connects on safe tag or through interviews with people that they work closely with and identifying, you know, who else might be a potential spreader um, of COVID and talking to those individuals and figuring out, um, sorry, and, and testing them uh, as well. Now, your question, I guess, is, is a really good one, right? Like, so if a player in the middle of the playoffs gets COVID, what is the protocol? Um, I think number one, most importantly, is to make sure everyone is safe and follow those uh, protocols of putting the individual in isolation housing, testing the campus, testing those that might have been in close contact to that individual. Um, I think it's safe to say that games would be postponed, not necessarily canceled, but postponed until, you know, the medical team and the real medical professionals could come to a conclusion on, you know, what is the state of the integrity of the bubble? Um, when might this person be able to return to play? And can we continue the season based on that? So it is pretty circum based on the circumstances, right? Who the player is, what their return to play timeline looks like, but um, that just gives you a sense of, obviously we didn't have to go through this situation, um, so it could have been different had this happened in reality, but that's, uh, I guess, what the, the protocols might look like in that kind of situation. No, it's, it's pretty impressive that, um, you know, because I think that there was the worst case scenario that uh, if a player is tested, then basically everyone he's come in contact with, it means like the team, his team, the, the opponents, the coaches, the families who are around there, like all of a sudden everyone has to like raise the alarm, right? And um, and, and I, I feel that there was a fear among some fans that, you know, some series might be canceled or some team might have to like leave early if a player gets it, I don't know, stuff like that. And it's, I mean, nothing like that happened. I think the only suspension of play came for, you know, the social justice part, which was like, you know, obviously totally understandable so it's a uh, it, it must have been uh i mean i'm you're allowed to pat yourself in the back now for like for uh, <laughs> for, for running this show well i want to ask like like changing to basketball or maybe not just basketball just like uh off uh, something that doesn't entail your job directly what was your favorite moment about being in the restart or in or during these playoffs was it like is it something you saw on court because obviously you went to a lot of these games you or was it something off-court with the players? Uh, can you share some of like your favorite memories, your favorite moments? For sure. I mean, there are so many. Um, I think both on and off the court, this was just such a unique event. And you didn't really realize the history of everything until you, you actually left the bubble, I must admit. Um, I think something that I really enjoyed, for instance, was the fact that, I mean, even with All-Star Weekend, when majority of the league comes together. I don't think we'll ever have a situation where we have, say, over 75% of the league in the same location at the same time. I mean, you had 22 teams, you had referees, media members. There's going to be it so felt, much tampering. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was just really special. Like It felt like an Olympics village. I mean, basically, you had everyone from the entire basketball ecosystem in one place. Um, I think some of my favorite, let's say, sights and sounds were I mean, given that you're all in the same place, the staff members and players kind of had the same, essentially the same recreational activities available to them outside of playing basketball. So, for instance, like, I remember biking around campus and seeing, like, Taco Fall, all seven, five of him just biking behind me. And that's just that's just surreal, both as an employee and as a fan of the game. When are you going to be in a scenario where you're biking and an entire team of NBA players is biking around the campus behind you? Um, I think that's something that stands out to me, as well as, and you guys may have seen this, but one of the biggest topics in the bubble was pickleball competition. So basically the referees had brought a pickleball set and they had frequent matches between 
the media members. So referees like Scott Foster playing one-on-one against Richard Jefferson. And everyone would come together and watch these these very competitive pickleball matches. I mean, it, it feels like, I shouldn't say summer camp, but can at times it did us, feel like that. Can you explain to us Indians what pickleball is? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. And to be honest, I needed to learn what it was. This is my first time seeing it. But, but it's basically like mini tennis. You've got a smaller version of a tennis net, smaller version of tennis rackets, but the game is the same. Hit the ball over the net. Um, it's a great sport. Highly recommend it. Did you, and this is, my, this is the most important question of all, actually. Did you get a chance to try out some famous big face coffee? <laughs> I, I wish I was able to. To be honest, I admit I, I didn't get a chance to stop by and I didn't get to try it out. But whatever was in that coffee was definitely working because the Miami Heat played so well. That, that $20, $30 coffee, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so Gautam, you said you returned home, uh, I mean, I guess it was about a month ago, right? Um, was it challenging for you personally to be being in one place? And even though like, obviously it's work, you're, you're staying busy, uh, you're, you're having this like incredible once in a lifetime experience, but you, uh, you're away from home, you're away from family and you're in one area for several months, you know, uh, was it challenging for you personally? Like h- how surreal did it feel for you to like finally leave and come back home? Yeah, it was definitely, um, I think what really helped me get through the amount of time there was um, just having a really good support network inside the bubble, which all of us had. I mean, all of us as employees were really cautious and aware of, you know, looking out for one another, checking in with each other, um, given the hours that we were all putting in. So it I'll say, sure, it, it was challenging, but it was very rewarding at the same time. So that's what helped, I think, all of us get through it. Um, I think what really hit home for a lot of us was, let's say, maybe 40% of the way through the bubble, um, player guests were allowed to enter. Um, so basically, each team, uh, players and staff were able to bring in family members or friends into the bubble. And, you know, that was a reminder that what we were doing was such a, was, it's a bit of a cliche to say basketball, but, you know, similar to us being away from our our families for so long, like the same thing applied to the players. And you could see the excitement and joy on their faces when they were reunited with their kids, their wives, girlfriends, parents, so on and so forth. So I think that really, once the player guests arrive on campus, really gave everyone an extra jolt of energy that, you know, what... Um, we've got to finish the season. This is there's so much more at stake here, and um, despite the the challenges of being in the same place for for so much time, um, you know that you know we'll, we'll get through it, and we definitely did. That's some incredible insight, Gautam. Thank you so much for sharing that. But now what I want to do is maybe maybe turn the direction around a little bit and go back to what seems now like. Uh, decades ago, your your trip to Mumbai for the NBA India Games, which was, um, which which I guess kicked off the previous season that just finished. Um, what 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 are your memories from this trip? What what were you sort of expecting going into it? And uh, talk us through, I guess your, um, your your mindset before you went in. For sure, yeah. So for for the NBA India game, I think it just meant so much both personally and professionally. Um, so I I used to live in India. I went to high school there. So 2008 through 2012, I, I was there. Um, and just to be able to come back, um, essentially a decade later, but as an NBA employee um, and see firsthand that an NBA game was actually being held in Bombay was just incredible because it's something I, I never knew if it would actually happen. Uh, my role when I went uh, for the NBA NBA games was focused on, on the basketball side. I was working with the NBA International Basketball Operations Group, um, and we were there to run a couple of training programs for the NBA India Academy, um, specifically the women's program. So uh, India's top female athletes um, all getting together for uh, a very intensive elite basketball training camp. Um, 
and also just exposing them to like we had Jason Williams come and meet uh, all the players. And, you know, this was the first time Karen and I met, um, but it was just such a good celebration for 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 basketball in the country to begin with. Um, I have like so many so many great memories of just finally seeing an NBA game held in India because it's been talked about for so long. To, so to finally see it come to fruition was like very rewarding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I when I moved out of India to Australia about five years ago, um, I never once thought that the first NBA game would be in like India and not Australia. So it's it's a bit bit surreal <laughs> to sort of think about that when you when you go back and uh, and for all the fans who grew up on it uh, in like the 90s and early 2000s, watching a couple of games a week and you know waking up super early to watch that that one or two games that come up uh, on TV every week, it, it's been uh, it, it feels like a like a monumental achievement to get to this point, uh, and I, I'm glad you said that. It felt like a celebration because that's that's what it should be. Um, what what would you say was? Gosh, I just want to ask you. So Australia has never had a preseason game either. No. <laughs> oh, damn. The closest the closest we came to having some some basketball game of that quality was the USA versus Australia pre-Olympic. Game. So that was done at an NBA level production, but um, yeah. Oh, well, that's the closest you came, but Australia has held the Sydney Olympics, uh, where like. Oh, of course, of course, yes. I, I think that's where Vince Carter did that dunk, right? So. Of course, of course, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, um, Gautam, just quickly uh, on this topic, what would you say was your favorite uh, favorite moment through this entire NBA India games? No, that's a really good question. I think my favorite moment was sitting with the MBA Academy graduate um, students, both men and female, and seeing them take in their first basketball game. Like, obviously, the goal of the MBA Academy is, is to develop holistically elite youth players, and hopefully they, they go play in the NBA or the WNBA um, in the future. But so many, if not all of these, kids have never actually seen an NBA game live for the first time. Their game, their lives are all about basketball. They they work so hard. They train every day. Um, and just seeing them get the chance to see their first NBA game was, um, I think, really rewarding because it kind of just brought me back to, I guess, my childhood. Um, so I was born in Washington, D.C. And some of you, Kaushik, I, I moved to Australia, actually. Um, lived there for three years. Lived in Singapore as I said, went to high school in India and then went back to the U.S. for college. So I think somewhat similar to a lot of these kids, I didn't go and see my first NBA game until I was in college in the United States. Um, but I was a basketball fan pretty much all of my life and followed the game very closely, waking up at you know, 6 a.m., if not earlier, to watch games live, depending on the time difference. Um, and just, it's a special bond that that community or that segment of the population that are very diehard basketball fans, but have never actually seen an NBA game live. Um, so seeing that experience unlocked for them um, was really rewarding, I'd say. Gautam, uh, you mentioned, of course, that you went to high school in India. Not only did you go to high school in India, you went to the, the school that was the rival school of my school, basketball-wise. So <laughs> actually have a, 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 a lot of like, you know, or we could have had a lot of beef if our, if our times had clashed. Um, I think you, you, you went to school uh, many years after me. But you did, so, so, and you were part of, you were at AES, the American Embassy School um, in Delhi. And you must have gone all over, right, for these basketball tournaments, including up to my school in Missouri. Absolutely. The the American Embassy School Woodstock rivalry is somewhat similar to the Lakers and Celtics. It's a good it's a good rivalry. We I'm I'm, I'm I wish our paths had crossed on the court. I, I would say it used to be that good. I think it's I, I don't think they are as like intense as it used to be. <laughs> yeah. Then. But yeah, it used to, it used to be a good just, rivalry and we, uh, just like the Lakers all, and Sixers rivalry. Just like the Lakers <laughs> and uh, Celtics. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, and we would, uh, no, so I, I remember we'd always be excited when like AES came to Woodstock, 
and then vice versa when we, when we would go and play games there it would just be like and by the way when i see we would go i never played i was always like in the crowd but uh yeah no it was it was always like an exciting time to play to play your school um did you just grow up hating us <laughs> were we were we fed stories about woodstock growing up um i don't i don't think so exactly but i think what we enjoyed the most about those games against woodstock was for whatever reason they were the most attended games in school um the crowd was just for whatever reason the the bleachers were always packed for aes woodstock games and i've always wondered why that was the case but i think it's because you guys had a very good traveling party like for your away games you brought a lot of fans to delhi um that would occupy the space so we had to try and mirror and match that otherwise we'd have well, yeah, otherwise we'd have no home court advantage. I mean, there were there were some years where there were just more Woodstock fans in our gym than our own. So we had to but try also, and match I that. A lot of, I think a lot of the, the students had families in the embassy community or right. uh, in So I think, that, yeah, there might be another reason. Plus, plus uh, I think your uh, AES students wanted to see how great our, our Woodstock kids are. I think they were just genuinely curious. <laughs> like, all of these like really talented kids are coming from the Himalaya. You know, let's check them out. What is this? What is this basketball academy up in the north? I think that's what was going through our heads. <laughs> um, so so uh, you, you were in the AES team? Yeah. So I played basically for um, school for 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 four years. Um, in addition to playing against Woodstock. You know, we've competed in the um, the SISA and the MISAC tournaments, so it's basically uh, an inter-school competition against schools in South Asia, so um, Sri Lanka, Nepal, Bangladesh, um, India, of course, and then the, the Middle Eastern Conference as well, so um, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, uh, Doha. Uh, so we had a fair share of international school tournaments. Um, and as well as playing against Woodstock. So, yeah, I, I was on the team pretty much all throughout high school. Probably some of my best memories um, of being in India all originated from being on that basketball team. Uh, and it's any, funny, actually, any... I think somewhat somewhat recently, um, the NBA Academy didn't exist when I went to school in India, but I remember they played, uh, our high school played the NBA India Academy, got absolutely thrashed um, <laughs> maybe a year or two years ago. But um, it would that would be an incredible to go back in time and be able to play the India Academy as a kid. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I, I think when when they started the academy, you guys would have probably beaten them. But but now those kids are actually like pretty talented. <laughs> I can't say that. I, I can't say that. But that, that's kind. I was gonna ask like uh, you know in all basically in your basketball touring circuit in India, any any particular memories that stand out? I know you had mentioned that. You were recently going through old photos and you're finding like all this cool older stuff from your AES days. Any particular memory that like stands the most or any particular game in India that like really um, that you think back on a lot? That's a really good question. I mean, the Woodstock games were really, really memorable just because we had such a lively environment in the gym. I think what I'll remember the most from, I guess, this, let's just call it like a South Asian basketball circuit or high school basketball circuit was... Probably 2009, we traveled to Kathmandu, Nepal, for a SISA tournament. Um, and it was just really, um, I think, exciting to just be in a pretty, I guess, let's say, remote part of uh, Nepal, the, the, the Lincoln School, which is where we played, um, just playing basketball in a part of the world you don't really expect to play basketball in. I mean, basketball culture in Nepal is actually so strong. The, the school, it's massive. Bas- it's massive. The, the, the Lincoln, definitely their most favorite sport was, was basketball. Like The arena was packed. And I think it was just really cool to have come from, say, a big city like Delhi and just be fully immersed in another country's culture and playing basketball at a really high level with them was just a really rewarding experience. It was a long time ago, but I still remember just that championship game and the energy in the arena. Um, it was, it was awesome. 
So my last question about this thing is like um, taking you back to Woodstock. Um, but when you came up, did you play in the new gym, or or were you playing in the outdoor gym in hostel next to like the disgusting swimming pool? It was the it was the outdoor gym. Yeah, the outdoor yes. like cement court, right? Yeah, yeah. I played mo- most of my life's basketball like has been played on that on that outdoor court where like it's just you know all our fans would either be in the bleachers or they'll be up in our bedrooms in the in the hostel rooms and we just open our window and watch the game. Um, I don't know if they, if they did it when you were playing, but sort of our culture thing used to be that we used to do the whole Sacramento Kings uh, banging the uh, banging the pots and pans stuff every time. Like, yep, no, that was big. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Making yep. a racket. Because um, it was it, it was a unique situation where from our bedrooms we could watch the game, you know, uh, if if we wish to, or we could just go down. So um, so you never saw the new gym. I, I personally know I haven't been to, to campus since then. You need to visit. The new gym is incredible. I think they, uh, in 2010 or 2009, they, they started it. Uh, yeah, no, no, you, you need to visit. Uh, Gautam, again, changing changing directions again, you, you spoke about how you were part of like a South Asian tournament and you, talk, you spoke about how uh, you went to places like Nepal where you wouldn't expect basketball to necessarily be as popular, as big as, as it was. Um, something also that's been uh, quite unexpected until until recent times is is the increase in South Asian diversity in basketball in America. We've we've seen it in in all sorts of you know small small different aspects. Um, and 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 at some at one point it was so we were so devoid of anything like this that we started claiming. People like you know Sim Buller as Indian, even though he's just Indian by ancestry, and like he's he's officially Canadian and stuff like that. But that's that's changing, I think. Um, and we we dream, Karan and I dream of a day when we have an Indian player in the NBA, but uh, we we may not live to see it. Um, but uh, why don't you tell us about I guess uh, being being a South Asian in in the basketball circuit in America? Uh, what have you seen? In terms of prominent personalities, you know, coming up within within that world, we we've heard of assistant coaches these days. We've heard of like you know prominent media people. I want to talk to you about one in particular later. But um, what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, that's that's a really I think important topic and something I think about a lot. Um, just working in the sports and entertainment industry, I think something that I think all of us share, especially folks listening to the podcast is that we are really passionate about seeing um, South Asians or South Asian Americans in the sports industry, whether you're a player, whether you're a coach, whether you're even a referee, like seeing that representation is something we, we, we really appreciate and, and want to see. And I think the biggest surprise for me um, since joining the industry is just how many people there are that we can relate to who are in this industry um obviously the assistant coach of the sacramento kings roy rana now assistant coach at the memphis grizzlies so um, one of the referees in the g league suyash Mehta, people on this podcast like nba academy graduates like aman sandhu there's a lot of people um a laundry list of people that are south asian in the sports industry that Frankly, people might not know about because um, their, their their profiles haven't been, um, let's say, highlighted um, all that much necessarily. And I think that's, in addition to my day job, probably one of the most important things I can do in the sports industry while I'm here. I think raising the visibility of Asians in general in the sports industry is something that needs to be done more of, and people in the industry need to take that 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 responsibility um this is a i guess um something that i some one of the roles i have at the league office is um, i'm one of the co-chairs for our asian diversity network it's called mba apex and our job is basically to raise the profiles and visibilities of asians in the industry so for the past three years now we founded and hosted a, a a conference or a symposium with the MLB and the NFL, you know, to talk about the unique stories and challenges that our demographic faces in the industry. Um, 
And I think one of the big things that I'm excited to do, I think now that we've finished the, the season restart and are looking forward is, you know, how can we play a more active role in making South Asian diversity in the sports industry more, uh, more of a talking point, more uh, so that fans, you know, when, when they look to the sports industry, when they look to basketball, they, they see people in shoes and positions that they could fulfill one day um, and not feel so, I guess, like they're the first one to do it or a pioneer um, because, you know, there, there, there are people, there are role models in this industry. Um, you just need to find them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to what you were saying, there, there are role models in, in this industry for a lot of different types of roles and a lot of different types of uh, work. And it's just, uh, and everything you're doing to sort of bring that up to light, that's, that's, that's awesome stuff. I appreciate that. I think you raise a really good point, right? Like we all want, or we're all hoping for the first player and that's going to happen for sure. But there are so many people, I guess, off the court also that are, there are role models, him being one of them. I mean, even Omar Raja, who, you know, founded House of Highlights and now runs social, or runs the Sports Center social account and, and so many other things. There are just, I think, a lot of, a lot, a lot of role models in the industry that we can look to and not feel so alienated or um, distanced from the sports industry. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks that we can relate to who have very prominent roles here. Listen, one of the most prominent bases is uh, another guy named Tim Grover. I think he really needed to, uh, you know, introduce Michael Jordan. Maybe that's part of the quote success, right? Like he introduced MJ to butter chicken way before anyone else <laughs> was on it. That must be it. I honestly but, think that's the secret. That's a secret, right? I'll, uh, Gautam, uh, you have been working on something you told me about, like, over, I, I guess, a year ago when we met, um, you know, in Mumbai, and then after that, uh, the, the, the home court app, right? Like, that's been, like, a particular baby of yours, and you've been working on it for, for quite some time. I, and, I, I mean, from everything I've heard, this is really going to be, like, a game changer in, like, you know, hoops tech and hoops, like, scouting and tracking and stuff like that. So why don't you tell us more about about home court? Yeah, I'm 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 happy to. That's a pretty pretty much one of the one of the most I think interesting projects I've worked on to date. And basically, so to set the stage, right? So home court is basically a mobile um, training app for basketball that leverages AI machine learning technology to basically track your entire workout from start to finish. So all you need is a phone, an iPhone. Um, any player on any court can track their workouts and submit it directly to the NBA. So what does that mean? So it means like I can go to a basketball court, just set up my phone, have it record my, my workout, and it'll track my makes, misses, the location, as well as advanced analytics. Um, things like release time, release angle, jump vertical, and this is really, I think, powerful sports technology because this just hasn't existed before. You know, typically a player would have to be in a specific gym, need to wear certain wearables, but all of this is being captured and tracked just through your phone. So back in February, um, we launched this program called NBA Global Scout. And our mission, our goal with Home Court is really to create, let's say, the LinkedIn for basketball. I think... And I think international basketball players can relate to this, especially is it's, it's really hard to get your talents and skills directly in front of the right stakeholders. I mean, um, particularly for, for international players, um, if you want to send your game film to coaches, if it's say in the United States or elsewhere, um, if you want to connect directly with them, have all your stats in one place, it's really difficult to do that. Everything is segmented. Everything is fragmented. So with NBA Global Scout, um, what we did was we created a way so that any player anywhere in the world can just have all of their, their basketball resume in a single place. You can have videos of your games. You can have your stats, like your height, your wingspan. You can have your Instagram handle. You can have shooting workouts. And you can even ha um, have your hand size, your wingspan, your standing reach, all of this can be captured directly on your phone. So literally I just film myself, I put my hand in front of the camera and it'll measure and tell me what my hand size is. I mean, this is just really innovative technology and the potential is pretty incredible. I mean, 
the pandemic definitely hurt us. I mean, we launched this pro product at NBA All-Star Weekend in, in February, um, and the pandemic came soon after. But I think, you know, looking ahead to Q1 of 2021, you're going to hear and see a lot more as it relates to home court and NBA Global Scout, not only just within India, but I think uh, around the world, frankly. Um, right now, what we're doing is we're using home court's technology to power our pre-draft process. So any players that are attending the, the draft combine, right, the, the main talent evaluation platform ahead of the NBA draft, um, we've basically set up home court in gyms that these players are practicing in. So a player will go through a set of eight shooting drills um, as well as a 45-minute open workout, and this entire workout will be tracked with home court. The video and the stats, and the shot analytics will all be captured by the app and sent directly to NBA team. So um, just similar to how we're doing, let's call it a virtual um, nationwide basketball tryout with home court for the NBA draft combine, um, you're going to start to see stuff like this in the future. I mean, for instance, an NBA India Academy tryout, for instance, perhaps. Like the ability for any player in India, as long as you have a phone, um, can go ahead and try out for the NBA India Academy submit your basketball resume directly to the NBA for us to evaluate. So we kind of have eliminated that barrier to entry of who you know and are you able to be somewhere. Like, do you have to go to a tryout in Delhi or Agra or Calcutta? Like, that's no longer a limitation. As long as you have your phone and access to a court, you can be part of that, that tryout. I think that's, it's going to be exciting to see where this technology goes in, say, one to two years. It's super exciting just like hearing you talk about it because the idea of anyone can submit their game tape with like all of their advanced analytics to to the nba so it so really anyone can just submit and the nba will will sift through all of these videos like how, how do you guys have bandwidth to do that or do you just like yeah i mean yeah how do you do that that's that, that i guess that's the big question how do you how do you go through all of these millions of videos that you'll be getting yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. So, um, I mean, we we've put together algorithms and, and and filters on the back end of this. Let's call it the NBA Global Scout da database. Um, um, we that 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 identify um, quote unquote athletes of interest, right? Um, folks of a certain age um, with certain body measurements. That um, <clears throat> shooting is something you can teach, right? I'm, but I'm I'm out at the age. <laughs> I'm out. It's over for me. <laughs> you could, hey, but those change too. Uh, age not so much, but body measurements, so those change too. But yeah, we have basically some preconditions set up that identify quote unquote athletes of interest that you know might be might be worth taking a double click into. Um, then we could analyze their video and so on and so forth. I mean, um, it obviously depends case by case, but we, we have some we have some filters set up on the back end that help us call through this really large database to just folks that we might be particularly interested in. That's really cool stuff, Gautam. Just quickly before we let you go, um, we've spoken a lot about what what you do for work and what, what you've done in terms of your, your life sort of growing up and everything. I, I, we never really got a chance to talk about your own sort of NBA preferences in terms of whether you're, you're fans of a particular player or a team or anything like that. Um, so what's your, what's, your, uh, what's your NBA team or what's your... What's your affiliation? Yeah, I'd say my affiliation has fluctuated over the years. I spent some time in Boston for college and was were, was really big on the Celtics. Obviously, um, I'm currently now in D.C. and I'm with the Wizards. So I'd say my, my specific team has fluctuated. Don't but, be a uh, Wizards fan. It's not, it's not worth it. <laughs> Just letting you know. As a Knicks fan, I'm telling you. I was about to say, it. as a Knicks fan, what's your take on that? I, I, you know... <laughs> I'm a Knicks fan who's who spent a lot of time in DC, so so the Wizards are my quote unquote second team, but it's just at least with the Knicks it's kind of like I don't know it's more interesting even when we fail it's interesting. The Wizards I just I just feel sad for them because like I, I don't know I'm sorry to any Wizards fans it's just hard to be a Wizards fan I, I don't get it. And, and what about and what what about what about the the Knicks so far how's how's that been? Do you really want to ask me that? Uh, come on, is this, is this, is this a pandemic, and you want to ask me about the Knicks? Come on, Gautam, that's just good. 
been 20 years of like of like just suffering and struggling it it sucks but it's been interesting <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's very interesting gautam as as i told karan in our previous episode uh, as as a laker fan the, the the last title the 2020 title was my sixth favorite nba title of my lifetime so that that definitely made him feel um, <laughs> <laughs> Still a bit negatively towards me, let's say. <laughs> I think there needs to be more butter chicken in the NBA team diet, and we'll see. We'll see a significant change for for certain folks. I yes, I'm, I'm. I'm surprised that the uh, Vivek Ranjeeve hasn't hasn't figured that out as a as a solution for the king. <laughs> they, they serve butter chicken on like those you know special Bollywood nights and stuff, but you know you can't just have any butter chicken either. You need to you know a, a lot of Americans get it completely wrong as, as you would. Just to uh, got them, you need to have like some, you know, you can't just order from anywhere. I'm sure Vivek is getting like, you know, fake butter chicken. You you need the real stuff. <laughs> By the way, have you found good butter chicken in DC yet, or do you want my advice? I think I need your advice. I need your expertise here. There's nowhere in DC. You need to go to. <laughs> where, 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 where do I need to go? Hello. Yeah. You just Gautam? cut out for a second, Karan. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Gautam, I'm saying you need to go to Virginia, Maryland, uh, DC itself. If if you want good like masala chicken, there's a place called Indigo uh, in Northeast, which is my favorite Indian restaurant in DC. But uh, yeah, butter chicken, you need to go to Virginia, Maryland. What's your take on Grand Trunk, which has since been closed? Did you ever go there? I used to go to Grand Trunk. It's closed. That's like permanently or just for the pandemic i th- i think permanently they, they're good they're not how i won't call them fully indian food they do like fusion so they're good for what they are they they're they, they good for what they advertise to be you know so i don't judge them the same way i would judge a restaurant that calls itself an indian restaurant um grand trunk had really good naan burgers they were off the hook i've heard you know fair enough i've heard good things about those burgers um nanburg nanburg is definitely seem like something we should all try yeah, um <laughs> what are, what are your hopes for next season quickly do you, do you have an um, do you have a particular insight on when we're likely to start and what what do you think the next season will sort of look like yeah the the date currently being tentatively explored right is 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 late december right around christmas but i think to be honest what my hope is is really outside the nba league office itself and just focused on this country getting a hold on the pandemic i think regardless of any planning or precautions that just businesses in general can take against covid if we don't get a hand on a handle on the pandemic of course there won't be any fans there there's no there's no way to do that if 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 there's a third spike and things get out of hand. So I think my hope is that from a public health standpoint, um, you know, we're able to defeat this third wave um, and get things back to somewhat of a normal where it's safe for fans to be back in arenas and enjoying the game up close that we all love. I think that's frankly my my biggest hope. We, we all hope the same. Those are some wise words to leave us by. Uh, Gautam, thank you so much for giving us your time this early AM on a pretty important day for you uh, for the country uh but yeah hope you have a good rest of the day and uh just like you we all hoping for basketball to come back again um and as mu- as much as as enjoyable as the bubble must have been i'm sure we all be happy to have things go back to uh, normal as soon as possible so i mean uh, keep up keep up all the good work man it was great catching up with you finally doing this after after so long um and yeah you guys need to keep an eye on 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 home court and all the other cool stuff that gotham's up to I appreciate it guys. Though thanks for the opportunity. I've I've been listening to your podcast for a long time. So it's it's really cool to be able to come on as a guest and um next time we we all connect we should do it at Woodstock in that fancy new gym and maybe get a one-on-one uh game going. Uh that sounds like that sounds like a plan. Sounds amazing. Yeah, Koshi Gila made that trip. Thank you so much Gautam. Take care. So I want to thank Gautam Kapoor for joining us on Hoop Darshan finally after uh, after a long time of like us thinking about it, planning it. Um, 
yeah i it's so cool to get like all of these stories from the bubble from like the inside and and really he is among the people on the forefront of the future of you know uh, tech and basketball now and and not just nba but 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 tech and the basketball world as a whole because for example the home court app that he talked about stuff like that is going to be useful for ballers everywhere and and people will of course like use that for you know for for like the local tournaments for the national teams all of that stuff or, or uh, apps like that you know so uh, yeah it's it's exciting stuff yeah definitely to to hear about the different kinds of technology that the nba used within the bubble and you know their their vision of uh, elevating the level of basketball throughout the whole world trying to find out talents from all across the world making it easy and accessible uh through the through the app that he described yeah it just feels like you know the, the sport knows what to lean on in terms of everything getting converted and advanced by technology these days and it was it was awesome to hear all of that stuff and that wasn't even the best part of of, of the conversation like the, the bubble stories were great but i i'm still i'm still frankly not um have come to terms with the fact that the lakers um the key to their success was the butter chicken uh, it I- it all makes sense now I'm kind of sure, I, I I I'm I'm surprised I didn't tell you this information. I I just feel that this is uh yeah yeah I, yeah yeah Karen I feel I feel like we need to reevaluate our friendship. How could we you do, not tell we, me? <laughs> I I think a lot must have happened between that between me getting the information and you know well yeah so I I apologize but in a way it's better you, you got it straight from you got the story straight from Gautam than than through me. Yeah. Um, and and it definitely made for better reactions now than than if you had sent me like a Exactly. Um <laughs> just as every other uh, the success of every punjabi player uh, the, the los angeles lakers also succeeded on on behalf of butter chicken and i i must add a, a disclaimer like i always do when i go on too much talking about butter chicken that you know you shouldn't that shouldn't just be your diet kids you know <laughs> you should be healthy and then once in a while enjoy butter chicken i remember uh, talking to amjot singh about this uh, when he had just come back from the g league and he was just like you know I, i miss it so much but i had to almost give up greasy indian food just to be in better shape um so it's a, it, it's 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 a fine balance you have you have you, you can't overdo it the way i do otherwise you're never making the nba <laughs> well said well said karan um on that note i think we should probably wrap up episode 98 of hoop session um as always listeners thank you so much for tuning in to us thank you so much for uh, following us on social media if you aren't already we are um at karan madhuk1 on twitter and at underscore kashik7 but the podcast is at hoopdarshan we're also available on facebook soundcloud podbean a bunch of different places uh maybe not as um we need to be out there as much as uh, butter chicken is in punjab and not butter chicken is in in washington <laughs> dc sure on that <laughs> on that note hashtag india basketball <laughs>